Last Sunday, I kind of left you hanging a little bit. Uh, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about the purpose of the church, or the purpose of God's ecclesia, the gathering of God's family. Uh, and, and by last Sunday, we'd already talked about the main overarching purpose of the church, uh, and that is to bring glory to God. Uh, in everything we say or do, we aim to display God's goodness to the world around us. But then we focused our, our attention a little bit, and, and we began to discuss the specific tasks of the local church. You know, bringing glory to God is certainly the ultimate task of the, the church as a whole, but what is God's purpose in establishing local congregations? You know, how are we to bring glory to God together as a community in ways that we simply couldn't just on our own? And so last week, we divided up these uh, tasks of the church into three main categories, and they were uh, to bring glory to God through worshiping Him together, to bring glory to God by edifying His people, and to bring glory to God by evangelizing the world. And so we started last week um, by digging into what it means to worship God. And that's kind of where I left you hanging. Uh, we talked primarily about what the word worship means. Uh, but we didn't really dig into, you know, what does that look like um, as one of the primary tasks of the local church. Uh, but that's where we want to go today. So to do that, let me first refresh your memory as to uh, what worship is all about, because uh, today really does build on what we talked about last week. Uh, so you remember last week we talked about that old English word. Does anybody who still remember what it is? There's murmurings, but nobody's confident. Weerskipi, or, or however you want to pronounce that. Weerskipi, uh, which means basically to declare the worth or, or the value of something. And it's from this old word, weerskipi, that we get our modern word, worship. When we worship something, we are declaring its worth or its worthiness. But worship simply isn't about, you know, the words that we say or the songs that we sing in church. Worship is much more about the, the decisions that we make each day, about the priorities that we have in life. It's about showing how we esteem and value uh, God or, or anything else for that matter uh, by the choices that we make each day. Because whatever it is that is of our highest priority, whatever it is that we value above all else, whatever it is that is our greatest consideration in every decision we make, that is what we worship. Uh, it's like Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And whatever it is that we hold most dearly, whatever we choose above all else, that's what we treasure. That's what we worship in our hearts. You know, we don't have to sing any particular songs. We don't have to physically bow down. Uh, we don't have to bring any offerings or sacrifices. And, and, and we can do those things, but they only have meaning if they are outward reflections of what's already going on inside our hearts. You know, we need to worship God in spirit and in truth, like Jesus said in, in John 4.23. He says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And that's why the object of our worship isn't necessarily revealed by what songs we sing on Sunday morning. The object of our worship is revealed by our daily decisions and choices. It's those choices that truly reveal what we value in our hearts, what we worship. You know, if you spend your week living in disobedience to God, you know, I think that reflects on how you value God much more than what songs you sing on a Sunday morning. When we worship God in spirit and our truth, 
uh, our worship just comes out in, in the decisions that we make every day. And so that's kind of where we left things last week, uh, hopefully with a good understanding of what it means to worship God in our hearts, uh, which is evidenced by the daily choices that we make each day. But now, how does that all apply to us bringing glory to God by worshiping him together as a local church? You know, since it's clear that we can and we must worship God personally and individually, uh, how and why do we worship God together? And again, it's not all about the songs that we sing, although that certainly is a part of our worship. But I think a major part of our worship together comes down again to the choices that we make, specifically our choice to obey God and his word uh, by following his plan and his design for our lives and for his church. Uh, God has laid out his expectations for us as his church body, as his ecclesia. And when we choose to obey and follow, follow those expectations, that in itself is an act of worship. We are declaring the worth and the worthiness of God by living according to his commands. Uh, just for an example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mike spoke a little bit uh, about Hebrews 10.25, which reads, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. In these verses, we are exhorted not to neglect our meeting together. In other words, we are to make it a priority to gather together as a church family on a regular basis. You know, those are God's instructions to us. Therefore, when we determine in our hearts that attending the, the weekly worship service with our local church family each Sunday morning, we, we decide that's the highest priority for us because God has asked us to do that, that in itself is an act of worship. You know, we're declaring how much we value God by being obedient to his instructions. Um, you know, on Sunday mornings when we decide to, to forego our sleeping in or, or to delay our family outings uh, until the afternoon, you know, as we rearrange our priorities so that God's command takes precedence, you know, I think that speaks volumes as to how much we value or worship God. And as all of us make that decision together as a, as a body uh, that we, we choose, we're going to gather, we're going to worship God each day, uh, I think that brings glory to God. You know, it, it's, a, it's a very clear way that we declare the goodness of God to the world around us. You know, the very fact that all of these families gather each Sunday morning, you know, we, we spend time singing God's praises and reading God's word and, and, and uh, praying to God together. You know, the fact that all of us interrupt our weekends every single week to come and gather to do that. You know, I think that that says something to our community about how much we must love and value our God. Now, I think that gives great worthship to God. And so that's one example of how uh, and why we worship God together and glorify him as a local church. But of course, that's certainly not the only way. Um, I'll, I'll list a few others, and this is certainly not an all-inclusive list, uh, but I'll give you a few examples. Another way that we worship God in the context of the local church is by how we interact with each other as his children. You know, we show how we love and value God by how we uh, love and value his children, his family. Uh, Jesus speaks about this in Matthew 25. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of these, uh, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. You know, in this passage, Jesus equates how we value and treat each other with how we value and treat him. The, the esteem and the worth that we have for one another is a reflection of the esteem and the worth that we have for God. Uh, John makes a similar statement in uh, 1 John 4.20. He says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Now, this is probably one of the most clearest commands in the New Testament. It's repeated over and over again. Our love for each other is a reflection of our love for God. In fact, Jesus said in John 13, 34, he says, So now I'm giving you a new command. Our commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I think one of the ways, uh, one of the biggest ways that we can bring glory to God and to declare his worth to the world is simply by loving each other the way that God has loved us. I mean, what clearer picture could we paint to display the goodness of God other than to showcase God's love in how we interact with each other? Uh, and I think that's why the Bible has so many one another commandments. Uh, I didn't do the math, but somebody's tallied it up. And they've said that there's 59 different one another commandments in the New Testament. Let me give you just a, a sampling. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Encourage one another daily. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Honor one another above yourselves. You know, and there are 52 other similar commandments uh, as to how we are to interact with each other as God's family. And all of these commandments are reflections of God's love for us. Therefore, whenever we carry out these commands in the context of the local church, we are worshiping God because by honoring God's family, we are honoring God himself. How we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ, how we value and honor those for whom Christ died, you know, that's a clear reflection of the worship that we give to God. And so I'd say that's the second way that we, we worship God together as a local church in ways that we simply couldn't on our own. You know, we certainly can't carry out those one another commandments in isolation, right? We, we need to have those relationships in place in order to worship God in that way. 
then the last example that I would give you is for how we, we worship together as a local church in ways that we probably couldn't on our own. And as I said, this is, again, not a, an exhaustive list. But the third way that I'd mention is the, the ordinances of baptism and communion. And both of these are significant acts of worship that can really only be carried out in the context of the local church. Uh, earlier today, I mentioned how our obedience to God's command to regularly gather together, that's an act of worship. It's, it's evidence of a heart that desires to, to honor and obey the commands of God. And I think baptism would certainly fall very much into that same category, perhaps even more so. You know, Jesus' final instructions to his disciples and, and the marching orders for the church uh, today is found in Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20. It's the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." You know, we worship God by carrying out this command to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is both an act of individual worship, you know, as each person must choose personally to, to obey God and be baptized, but it's also an, an act of collective worship as we, uh, God's family, the church, as we choose to obey God by baptizing those people. Um, and so this morning, I just remind you that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ uh, for salvation, but you've never been baptized as a believer, as his disciple, then I would encourage you uh, to consider taking that step of obedience and, and to carry out this act of worship and be baptized. Uh, please come talk to me after the service. Send me a text message or an email. Uh, we'd love to worship God with you in that way. We want to be obedient to his commands. And then that leads me to our, our final point of the day, and that's the, the second ordinance by which we worship God together, and that is uh, communion. You know, to go back to our, our old English word, uh, the definition of worthscopy or worship means to declare the value or the worth of someone or something. And that's exactly what we do when we share communion together. We are declaring the incredible worth of the person of our Lord Jesus Christ and the incredible worth of his death on the cross. You know, Jesus tells us uh, to, to share communion in remembrance of him. And that when we do that, we are announcing his death until he comes again. Uh, we read in 1 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 23, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Uh, as John Piper puts it, he says, We must remember him because he's the most valuable person in the universe. We must remember his death because it is the most important death in history. The Lord's Supper is worship because it expresses the infinite worth of Christ. No one is more worthy to be remembered. No one is more worthy to be proclaimed. And so this morning, I want to conclude our time together by worshiping God 
as we share communion together. And already today, we've worshipped God in several ways. You know, we've worshipped him simply by gathering today, by obeying his command to come and to worship together. Uh, we've worshipped him by declaring his great worth through our, our songs that we've sung, uh, through the prayers that we've prayed, by, by listening to his word and choosing in our hearts to be obedient to him. And now, let us worship him once again by eating this bread and drinking this cup proclaiming and declaring his infinite worth as our Lord and Savior, uh, proclaiming his death until he comes again. And of course, following our, our health guidelines, we're going to have uh, the men come and, and serve the communion. They'll bring it right to you. Uh, they'll place the bread in the cup right in your hands for you. And I just ask that you just hang on to that until everybody's been served, and then we'll eat it together. Now, as the men get ready to serve the bread and the cup to you, I just encourage you to take a few moments this morning just to, to check your own heart. Now, as I've mentioned earlier, God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, if we're not truly worshiping God in our hearts, then, then these actions are empty and meaningless. We need to first worship God in our hearts, holding him as the highest uh, worth in our lives. And then, and only then, can we express that worship through partaking of the bread and the cup this morning. And so if that's your heart's desire this morning, to, to worship God above all else and to serve him as your Lord and Savior, uh, then I would encourage you to join with us in communion this morning. This bread reminds us of Christ's broken body, which was given for you. And the cup reminds us of Christ's spilled blood, which was spilled to take away your sin and mine. And as we partake of these things together, we're remembering and proclaiming the infinite value, the, the, the infinite worth of Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you came to earth and, and you took all of our sin. You took all that uh, all the guilt, all the shame, all the, all the consequence, the, the payment for our sin. And, and you took it on yourself uh, on the cross, and you died in our place. Your body was beaten and broken for us. Your blood was spilled out. Your blood uh, doesn't just cover our sin temporarily like the, the, the Old Testament sacrifices, but it, it washes our sin right away uh, as we... Uh, Put our faith in you as we accept what you've done for us on the cross in your death and resurrection. We can stand before God knowing that our sins are absolutely forgiven. They're removed from us as far as the east is from the west. So God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your blood that was spilled, for your body that was broken, for your love for us as you express that uh, on the cross. So God, I pray that you would remind us all over again of your infinite worth in our lives. And may we not remember this only, you know, in these moments today as we share the, the cup and the bread, but as we go into our week, may we this be, be present in our minds, the, the infinite worth and the value that you have, and may we live accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
again, I'd encourage you as you partake of the, the bread and the, the juice this morning that we remember that you know, these outward actions are, are empty and meaningless if we're not worshiping God in our hearts. I would encourage you to do that this morning. So let us declare the, the incredible worth of our Savior by eating the bread and drinking the cup this morning. Pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Dear God, again, we thank you for this opportunity we have today to come and worship you. Worship you by our, our obedience in coming to gather together as you've instructed us to do. Uh, we were thankful that we can worship each other, or not worship, we can worship you by our interactions with each other, by loving each other. Again, as you've commanded us to do, I pray that we would display your goodness to the world around us in this next week as we interact with each other. People would see how we love one another, and they would see, wow, what, a, what an amazing God for these people to love each other like this. And God, we also thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, this morning to share in communion, that we can frequently remember uh, the, the great sacrifice that you made uh, on our behalf, your great love. And, and may we proclaim again and again your incredible worth. And may we not just do this in, in these moments uh, as we uh, take the cup and the bread, but as we go out from this place uh, into our, our homes and our communities, may we continually declare your infinite worth through our words and our actions. Uh, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.